Well, hey, it's uh, great to be able to be here. Um, I've uh, been here for 23 years, so I'm glad to still be here. So with lots of people moving around in ministry and moving around different places, I am thankful that Idaho is a place that people long to get to and then they long to stay at. And so there's lots of people that uh, being a youth pastor, um, got to meet a lot of you back in the day. And then some of you, you know, in church planning world and with City Network and some of that. Um, how many church planters are here or prospective church planters are here? Okay, awesome. It's great to have you here. Uh, obviously, that's part of our heart at City Network. And um, I want to give you a little bit of a hint. Uh, somebody said to us yesterday, said to me like, oh, you're the you're the Idaho Rock Harbor. I was like, yeah, we stole that name from a church in California. He goes, yeah, I used to go there. I'm like, oh, good. Um, so church planner advice, here's what you do, okay? You pick a name of a church in a state that a lot of people are moving to, okay? And so there's some familiarity. So if a Saddleback pops up, if a Mariners pop up up here, like Rock Harbor makes no sense. There are no harbors up here. But when that person began to give to Rock Harbor, that was in Idaho, and they gave financially for a year before they figured out it wasn't their church in California, it quickly became a really good idea. So think about that, okay? I don't know the copyright infringement or any of those kind of things, but, you know, it's all God's money. So um, I'm going to talk quickly about cycle of faithful ministry, okay? The cycle of faithful ministry, this is based out of Acts 14. You're like, Keith, did you preach this message a few weeks ago at your church? Absolutely. So here we go. Cycle of faithful ministry. The first thing we find in Acts 14, 21 is to preach the gospel, Okay, the very first thing, what you see here, this is where Paul, Barnabas, they're out. This is the first missionary journey. They're about ready to head to the second, the sharp disagreement. We're not going to talk about that. There's probably that going on in this room. Um, but what we know is they're in this first missionary journey. They're heading back to cities they got kicked out of, which is just unbelievable. But here we find like this recipe that actually makes a lot of sense for what we're called to do as ministers of the gospel. Uh, the first thing is preach the gospel. Verse 21, this is right after Paul uh, got, you know, hit about the head with stones and then he comes back either to life or off of the ground. Um, verse 21, when they, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Okay, preach the gospel, the first thing. It's always right. Receive the gospel, preach the gospel, preach the gospel to yourself. The next thing is to make disciples. We see right there, make disciples. This is verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Making disciples, the strengthening of souls. Uh, to, that, that understanding of a soul is different than maybe what many of us uh, think of a soul. When you think of a soul, I instantly think like, okay, the eternal uh, soul that's in us that's going to spend eternity with God or separated. We're all a soul. Uh, what it's talking about here in the Hebrew, Hebrew, it comes from this word nefesh. This is the whole entire human being. This is where you hear like, you know, that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. It's every bit of your being. We're to strengthen souls in that. So if we're ministers of the gospel, if we are disciples that are making disciples, are we strengthening souls? Are we doing our jobs? Are we strengthening our souls? Are we fulfilling that calling? It's a lot deeper than simply 
Hey, I'm in a Bible study. Hey, I'm, I'm doing a few things from a discipleship standpoint. Are we really sowing into a soul? I don't know, some of you are still on Facebook. Uh, there are some of us that are. Uh, for the purpose of seeing the memories of your kids from 2009. So that's why I'm still on it, okay? Um, But being on it, you know, you get those, hey, this is a memory from years ago when I used to actually post. Uh, You know, and so you see those types of things, and often it reminds me how stupid I was. You know, and because it was like, you know, Keith is, and then I would put tacos. Because it, it, it gave you like a different, you were answering a question, and then now it's like, you're an idiot. Like I knew it, but I didn't. Now it's real. But I did actually say something decent in 2013. And I wanted to share it with you. I said, a person that is fully devoted to Jesus will never seek to do the least amount possible in what they're committing to. If we're to make disciples, we're to preach the gospel. Why do we seek sometimes to not do the most amount possible? Uh, why, if this is really the mission, the calling of not vocational ministers, and I say often, you know, for those that do weddings uh, and you're ordained and you've got your certificate and your licensing, and in Idaho just means you have a pulse um, and you were present. Um, but you go and you, it says your title, and I was taught in my solid Baptist upbringing to write minister of the gospel. And every time I write it, it's just like, it's like Keith Harrington. Dad of seven, broke as a joke. Like, what do I write there? I write minister of the gospel. And I always feel something when I write it. I literally do. Every single time I write that, I feel it. That's not just to people who are vocated. That is all of us. This is all of us. Preach the gospel, make disciples. The next one, it just sucks, to be honest with you. It's suffer well. It's to suffer well. Sorry if you don't say suck. My mom doesn't allow me to, and she's not here, so I did Um, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God to suffer well. The kingdom of God is more abstract in my mind. I, you know, just as simple as I am, I always think kingdom of God, heaven, that's heaven, talking about heaven. The kingdom of God is so much more than just that. This is the very presence. This is the lordship, the ruling and the reigning of God. That's why you see, you know, like may his kingdom come His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we ask for that to come. So when it says many tribulations, we enter the kingdom of God. This is trials. This is the testing. To be under a trial and to receive it as a blessing and know that our Savior was tried. Our Savior was under much suffering. We suffer with him. It's an identity that we have in him. If we think of his kingdom as a place that we're longing for in the Lordship and we're praying, his Lordship and we're praying that it would come, then think about this, like any good place you typically go through, you go to, you have to go through some pretty not so good places. So if you want to go to Yellowstone, from here, you have to drive through Eastern Idaho. Pretty rough. Okay. You, you, no offense if you are from Eastern Idaho. Um, You usually only come over for like state basketball and stuff like that. Um, But you know, think about this because they go, you go to Salt Lake, right? It's better for them, you know? Um, think about if you want to go to Tahoe, you have to try through Winnemucca. You know, there's just things that you have to go through in order to get to it. And I could mention anything and somebody like, oh, I would love to go to Europe. Well, you're going to have to go through some nasty airports to get there, okay? There's always some suffering in the process of getting to that place. There's this, this place that's in between. These are trials. Trials aren't meant 
according to Scripture, to attack us. They're meant to acclimate us. To acclimate us. When it talks about in 1 Peter, the testing that takes place by fire, it's a refining process that happens. This is not God isolating us. This is actually us drawing near to the Lord. And these are important perspectives on trials and on suffering. There's a bond that's built in this suffering well. Here, as, as Dave is talking about, like saying, hey, this is really amazing what God is doing in this valley. Not every city has something like this. And this is only a percentage of what is represented in the churches that are partnering and coming to our, our prayer gatherings, coming to equipping. Um, and even it's even only a percentage of staff. It's only a percentage of volunteers. And so we are really blessed in this city that people want to be here, want to stay here, that people will endure here. And the bond that gets built in the trench, the bond that gets built in the suffering is incredible. I've walked through lots of things in 23 years of ministry here. And there are older people that encouraged me that are now like pastor emeritus or janitor, I think might be Monty Ralston's title, um, that it's on their shoulders and their faithfulness that they provided a way that churches could actually learn to work together. You know, churches don't always do that very well. And especially in this valley, like it's not a common thing. It wasn't a common thing, I would say, 20 years ago. So many, not that there's anything wrong with denominationals, denominations and networks and all that, but to see what we've been able to see take place is very special. It doesn't mean we all have to be like exactly aligned on every single thing, but we want to be known by what we are for. And it's Jesus gospel preaching movements, and we're seeing it happen. To be in difficult times over 23 years of ministry here, I can look around the room and say, they helped me, they helped me, they encouraged me, they hosted the activity I never wanted to have. Uh, they hosted the skate event that my insurance at my church would not cover. That was Foothills. Um, uh, whatever it was that has gone on, we've partnered in ministry and there is a suffering that takes place in it. The next thing is appointing leaders. Appointing leaders, verse 23, and they had appointed elders for them in every church. With prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. This is important. Church organization matters. Yes, is it an organism? Yes, but the organism will die without organization. So there has to be that. This is appointing leaders. It's calling people up. It's not stacking one disciple higher than another, but it's saying, here are your giftings and your giftings that much needs to, you've been gifted with much, much is required of that. And we see in the next couple of verses, they go to four different cities. This is just the gospel going and going city after city. Verse 26, and from there they sailed to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. This is like the church plant coming back to report to the sending church. This is like the missionary coming back. You're not going to believe what has taken place as we've been gone. Those are really sweet times. If you've ever had a relationship with sending something out and going, it is incredible to hear back the Lord's report. Hear back. Hey, here's what's taking place. We as a church, we've been, we're almost celebrating 10 years um, and we're, we're absolutely loving the season. We were portable for nine years, and we've been in a build, we're now in a building for almost a year. I literally don't know what to do. We don't have offices because we're idiots. Uh, but no, no, 
we just, we wanted to put the resource into the space that we needed. So my office is the nursing mom's room. It's incredible. It's the nicest space in the entire church. It's a little awkward when I take a nap, you got the little boppy, is that what they're called that you wrap around? Yeah, that's for little Eddie, but it's also for Keith on Tuesdays at about four. So, and I'm not kidding. Some of you are like, that's not funny. Like legit, this happens. So, um, but we, we've got a facility. We absolutely love it. And as a church, we were able to plant 10 years ago, myself and my best friend, Doug Connolly. I think Doug is here. I saw him earlier, but I know he's probably like, oh, keys up. So he might have went somewhere. Are you here? You are here? Thank you for supporting me. Um, but Doug, uh, Doug and I planted Rock Harbor together, and it was an incredible blessing, and we did ministry together prior to that. He was singing at my wedding. I watched our wedding video for the first time in 20 years the other night. Bro, your voice was high. Um, but I mean, he's like singing with a big old puffy mic, you know, it's like, and it's like, he's saying, I will be here when I feel like being quiet, and he's still here in my life. And so, but we got to plant a church together. And for like 15 years, we worked two pieces of sheetrock apart from each other. Literally. Like we yelled through the wall. It was, we didn't even text back then. We just yelled, you know, through the wall. And then God laid upon Doug's heart to plant a church. We were talking, should it be a campus? Should this be an independent church? So we sent out a church. It was called Stonehill. And so we're Rock Harbor, Stonehill. It kind of had that rock theme. Our next one will be Pebble Beach. And so, um, but... So, uh, so, you know, Stonehill sent out. It was incredible. The people you want to go didn't go. The people that went never did anything at Rock Harbor, but now they're serving faithfully at Stonehill. It was amazing, but difficult. So this is, I don't know where this goes here, but probably suffering well, um, appointing leaders and just, just keep going for God. That's what I want to end with. Let's pray. So no, I'm kidding. We're not praying just yet. Just yet. We'll get there. But it's incredible to be able to be part of something like that. But I want to tell you, it was painful and it's hard. It's hard to, to really feel some of that pain when there's a sending, when there's a birth that takes place. But it's for the glory of God. It's for the glory of God, the last thing. To glorify God, to come back and say, look at what God has done. Look at the fruit that's growing on other people's trees. Because we don't want to see it. The fruit that I want to see is some of those people that went. I wanted to see them serve where I could see it every week. But if healthy and good growth happens and you're having 27 services or 35, whatever, what was it? How many services? Pre-COVID. They're down to 12 now. Um, um, but they have an online metaverse. It's, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, but... Think about this. There's an opportunity for us to do this in our valley, for this to take place in our valley. And it's no small thing. And there might be churches that are sent out with, from churches. And there were churches that were, they went out, they weren't sent out. There's churches that come in. There's somebody in the room that slid into my DMs about three months ago and said that they wanted to plant a church here. And all of a sudden I, I got insecurity. Oh no, they look cool. Oh, they're hanging out with like amazing pastors. Oh dude, what part of town? I really feel like the Lord wants you in Mountain Home is what my heart said. <laughs> I'm telling you this, it's important. This is really important because we need to get over it. We need to get over ourselves. So two and a half months ago, as God was moving on another couple of men that lead at our church, we're preaching through Acts. We're talking about a sharp disagreement. We're talking about Paul and Barnabas uh, going different directions. 
God knew four years ago when we were going to preach through that, that it was going to be in this specific time, the second missionary journey that we were going to send out another church. So on Sunday, we announced that we're sending out two people from our team, just like the missionary journey. We want to see it be, you can clap for them. They're here. They need to, they need to be encouraged because <laughs> they're enduring the suffering well, because it's not easy to leave a place you love. But here's the thing that God placed upon our heart. Churches that may have like a 10-mile radius, a non-compete clause, we're like, can you be within 10 miles? See, when Doug went to plan, I was like, hey, if you could go more than 10, it would be really good. He put his church literally a half mile from my flipping house, <laughs> from my house at the school that my kids go to, that I get to walk around, eh, Stonehill in their gym. And I'm like, no, Rock Harbor. And then I like, I graffiti their stuff. Um, but to watch it, we want the church close to our church because there's lots of people that need to be reached. We don't want the planting pastors to have to sell their homes to move to another part of town. We want their kids to stay in the same school. Why? Why do we always send our best away? Why do we send our best someplace that they may not, they got to learn, like TJ Hankey moves here and he's like, hey, so what should I do as a new native? And I'm like, okay, you need a heavier jacket. You're from Florida. You know, you need to get yourself a pair of Sorrells, Patagonia, a lot of people, Carhartt, you ever heard of it? I think I have. And so these are the conversations that if you live here, you already know that. Why don't we cut the corner on it and really glorify God and really appoint godly leaders? Because it says in verse 27, when they arrived, they gathered the church together. They declared all that God had done with them, how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. No little time. <laughs> That's a weird way of saying a lot of time. They stayed together because there was so much to celebrate. There's a lot of things to celebrate. And we can celebrate the fact that there's fruit growing on a tree and God's bringing people to this city and this area and we have to steward it well. I know not everyone is from here and you're from other places. How are you stewarding your city? I want a 25-year reunion where I can look around and say, hey, look at all of us that used to do student ministry together. And by the way, it is not a stepping stone, so that's just ridiculous, okay? Our city needs that. Our United Night, the things that we're doing, our city needs people that think that student ministry is the most important ministry in the entire church that looks at the next gen and says they're the church of the now. So, I'm only saying it because I didn't age out. I was called out. Leave me alone. So <laughs> that we can look around and say, we have done ministry. I trust what they're doing. I'm not threatened by them. We're working on Launchpad together. We're working in all these different environments and all these different ways to see our city reached with the gospel. I want that 25-year reunion. I started that MPRS thing. I ate ice cream last week. I'm trending down. It, I've never felt worse about myself. I haven't. Um, but it takes a daily walk and you need people that know you and see you. Not oversight in other places that never even know who you are. You need people in your local body and your local community that will love you and call you out. I'm going to close with this. Uh, some of you, maybe you've heard of this Pando Aspen Forest. It's about seven hours from here. Um, it's the largest living organism, and it's 107 acres of aspen trees. 
and they're connected at the roots together. And it's like uh, 130 million pounds because each one of those 47,000 trees, you know, weighs up to 12,000 uh, pounds. And so it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's a ridiculous, just massive organism. It's got a root system. It's called the Trembling Giant. It's in Fish Lake National Forest in Utah. See, the average aspen lives just a little bit longer than a human. And I like stuff that's outdoors and I can look at stuff like this. And I wanted to go there. I thought it was more like five hours and I had it all planned out. And then the day before I actually looked at the map and I'm like, eh, probably not. I didn't make it down there a couple years back when I'd heard of this place. And the amazing thing about this place is how long it's been around and how it's all interconnected together. But the worst part is it's dying. So this forest is dying. There's big things going on about it. There was an article that was written in uh, the New York Times a few years back. They're talking all about it. And you're saying, okay, how did this thing die? Is it like drought? Um, is it uh, the thousand cattle? Like there's a family that's owned the rights to move their cows through this area of Utah. They own, they, they've had it for like a hundred years that they can graze it and go through this area. Is it bad? Is it bugs? What's the deal? It's no baby trees is the problem. There's no baby trees. Why is there no baby trees, you ask? Well, I'm really glad you asked. Um, deer. There's 50 mule deer that kind of live in this area, and they've done some different things to try to get them to, over, to, to quit overtaking the forest. And so Bambi needs to die. Is what, then that's the end of the message. Um, here's what it means. There's no young saplings because the deer comes in and the deer eats up all the small trees that will grow up in the year in between. This is what a man that Dr. Uh, Paul Rogers says. There's no, this is directly out of the New York Times. I'll, I'll send you the article if you don't believe me. I wouldn't blame you. Um, but there is no next generation. We have a system in which the whole demo, uh, uh, dem demography, demography, what is the word? Because if I ever do this again, I need to get it right. What is it? Demography? Yeah, but I think I must have misspelled it. Anyways, the whole dang place is, is senior citizens only. If we had a town made up of 85 to 90-year-old people, it would not be very sustainable for long. The cycle of ministry is really important. If the average tree lives 85 to 90 years and there's no young ones coming up, we got to look at this and say, okay, Keith, this is a story, but it's also the story of the church. The church is aging. We need young churches to come in. We need churches, as we watched yesterday, churches that will breathe new life. We need generational ministry happening. Churches that have one generation, that's a dangerous church. That one generation grows up with that same young person and things get formed and fashioned in a way, we need people of all ages speaking into our life and into our churches. We need to multiply. And there's a risk. There's a risk involved because one, it's just straight hard to preach the gospel. Sunday's always coming. Making disciple takes effort and work. Suffering well, according to my mom, stinks. Stinks tremendously. Appointing leaders is hard because it's easier to keep leaders than to send leaders. And we all want to glorify God, but we have to go through all these steps in order to do it. 
What if the gospel really did grow on others' trees? What if we really did make a disciple? What if we really did preach the word? What if we really suffered well in community together? What could our city actually look like? Make a disciple, please. Please make a disciple. Please appoint leaders. Please plant a church. I didn't say support a missionary. I didn't say support a church. But maybe it's all of those things. But what if you planted one church? What if you multiplied one body, one organism that did the same? What could our city look like in the next 23 years? What could our city look like in 11 years when we hit 1 million people? Let's pray. God, I just thank you for the opportunity to be in your word, to be stirred up, that the heat did come on. God, I pray that we would invite people along for our journey. God, that we would scoot over, that we would equip the next generation. We'd actually tell them the truth about how difficult it is. But we'd also tell them that they have the greatest calling as a disciple. And the only thing that matters for eternity is are they willing to make a disciple and multiply all for your glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen.